As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I get the distinct pleasure to be sitting across the computer monitors and the World Wide Web with Luke Dooley, president of Ocean Programs. And Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, Luke, I'm a big proponent, although our team may not attend every Ocean program or event, but we love what you're doing. We love the calling and the mission of equipping entrepreneurs and owners to bravely step out and change the world. And as I was sharing with you recently, that having gone through leading a family business and now launching three companies outside of the family business, so now four, I uh, certainly understand what bravely stepping out means. So thank you so much for helping change our world and building into us entrepreneurs. Well, man, you've been living the journey. You have a ton of wisdom to share. So I'm glad you're doing this podcast and I'm glad you're bringing a lot of that heart and that leadership wisdom to your audience. And yeah, Ocean, we talk about equipping leaders to bravely step out and impact the world by doing the work they love. And so at the core of what we do, that's our heart and that's what we care about. And as we go here throughout the conversation, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about what that means and what that looks like around here and just some of the stuff that we try to build into leaders with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to jump right into that for those listening and tuning in. Some will even get to see this on video that are a part of our Talent Magnet Institute podcast Facebook community. We'll post this up on that community. So let's dive in a little bit into the word bravely. I think that word means something, certainly. And we'd love to unpack that with you of where you see the heart of your programming, the design, the vision. How are you equipping people to step out bravely? That's a good question, Mike. You know, when I think about bravery, I don't think about just people doing outlandish things. I don't think about Red Bull commercials. I think, sure, you know, jumping out of an airplane, that's brave. Doing some of these crazy kind of adventurous things, sure, that requires some inherent bravery. But probably more than anything, that requires almost like an absence of fear. I think some of the guys and gals that do that kind of stuff, they talk about the absence of fear when they get in those moments and like you just kind of have to tune it out and shut it out and there's nothing there. That's not what entrepreneurship is. You cannot tune out fear when it comes to entrepreneurship, but it takes courage. It takes deep courage to choose an entrepreneurial step forward. It takes deep courage to walk away from stability and to walk into the unknown. It takes courage to, as you know, to show up and understand that your paycheck comes from yourself. (laughs) Like It comes from the work that you're going to do. And not only that, that's only a slice of it. But I think the real real courage and the bravery around entrepreneurship really comes to this larger idea that when you say yes to that journey, you're inherently saying yes to caring for the lives of other people Mm. and putting other families and leaders and individuals in your palms and kind of carrying them and holding them we kind of use that imagery at ocean of like, this is what an entrepreneur is like a small business owner, an entrepreneur, they're holding this little garden, right? It's this little like tender garden 
And in that are all kinds of sprouts and all kinds of lives. And those lives are representative of marriages, families, they're representative of neighborhoods and faith communities and neighborhoods where those industries or those businesses are located. We truly just believe in this idea that entrepreneurs create and care for culture. Mm. And as you launch something new, as you create something new, you know, there's a great quote. I always, people in my space, we always go back to this classic quote from Andy Crouch. Andy's a great author, speaker, just a leader in all sorts of different regards. And Andy talks about culture and the different ways we can engage culture. We can, if we don't like what we see around us, we can condemn it. We can kind of hide from it. We can copy it. Or we can take a more redemptive approach, which is to create new culture. And really what he would say is the only way to change culture is to introduce new culture. You can't tweak culture. You have to introduce new culture. And we believe that's what entrepreneurs bring to the world. We think that's what these leaders who are bravely stepping out and launching new businesses, organizations, entities, we believe what they're doing is they're actually creating new culture. And that's a brave act to say, okay, this is going to be on my shoulders. I'm going to be responsible for this. And I'm going to assume that mantle of culture creation. That's a big deal. So we want to equip those folks at every point along the journey that we're able to and just come alongside them with the tools and the resources and the community that we think are meaningful in that season of building and leading an entrepreneurial venture. That's awesome. That's awesome. For me personally, I'll share, actually right before this episode, I was having an interview with Sarah Brown where she interviewed me on her Failing Forward podcast. And we were talking about failures. And I was mentioning to her that, Sarah, I feel like my greatest failure to this point of my career has been fear of man has been fearing what other people think. That whole comment of entrepreneurship, of stepping out. I know the gentleman that runs EO, when he speaks, he's usually in a bright orange suit. And I remember him sharing recently that like, this is what we all feel like as entrepreneurs, that we stand out, that we're odd, that we're different, and that how's everybody else looking at us? So it's kind of his message that he goes out to the marketplace with. And I mentioned that fear of man and that basically coming to a point for me that if I pray, I'm a praying man, Lord, please give me the opportunity. Please allow me to reach what you intend for my life. I have to be willing to take the opportunities that he gives and not be fearful, right? And use that as a blessing, as an opportunity. And so what you're sharing, I mean, it gets to the heart, right? We're putting our families at risk. I view every day that my team members, children and grandchildren should be impacted by the work that we're doing here at the Talent Magnet Institute and at Centennial as we're building healthier teams. So can you talk a little bit about some of the statistics around entrepreneurialism around, you know, I don't know if you have data around divorce rates and alcoholism and depression and things that can hit those that you're trying to keep people from? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. Let me frame that up in the kind of the context of why we do what we do at Ocean and kind of the origin story of where this thing came from. I can tell it in a really long way, but I'll tell it in a really short way. Essentially, there was a kind of a ragtag group of entrepreneurs in Cincinnati, Ohio, about six years ago that were just kind of hanging around a common space. And that space, ironically, was the atrium of a church. There's a large church in Cincinnati. And one of the cool things that they do, it's called Crossroads Church. One of the things that they do that I think is just inherently entrepreneurial 
And a great kind of, I think, lesson for a church, if there's church leaders out here listening, I think this is a great way to leverage your resources for the community, right? For the sake of the kingdom and the community. Mm. They keep their atrium open basically all day, set like 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. They have these big atriums, they keep them open and then they staff it. So there's people when they're cleaning and straightening up and making hot coffee and making sure the tea and the creamer and all that's out. And so it's this great kind of the largest communal co-working space in the city. And it's free. You just show up, you hang out, the Wi-Fi is free, the coffee's free, the tea's free. You know, if there's leftover donuts from someone's group, they're sitting out, those are free. <laughs> so it's just this great space to hang out. There's standing workstations and couches and low areas and all this kind of stuff. Long story short, there were a bunch of entrepreneurs hanging around in that space. Mm. kind of doing what they do. We're kind of leaning into the idea of launching and leading their businesses. And one day the, the key leader around that place, a guy named Brian Tome, he was walking by and he kept seeing the same young guy, a guy named Tim over and over. And he said, finally, one day he stopped him and said, why aren't you at work? And Tim said, I am at work. I'm starting a business. What do you mean you're starting a business? How are you doing that in a church lobby? What's that look like? And so Brian got a crash course in high-tech startups mm. and the beauty of kind of uh, being able to work from your laptop and uh, work remote and instantly just saw something there and saw that this is amazing that the church could be leveraged in such a way that it could create new culture in the marketplace. Mm. And then Tim kind of pointed out, hey, there's all these other entrepreneurs that use this space the same way. And so basically all those entrepreneurs gathered, Brian built into them, they built into him over a season. And eventually together, they all said, what if we started something where other entrepreneurs could show up. Because the reality is entrepreneurship's really hard. And what they had learned in a course of about a six to nine month journey was that they had developed some deep community by taking the entrepreneurial journey and basically laying in some really key biblical principles to that and kind of integrating the idea of discipleship and entrepreneurship into one journey or looking at kind of the similarities, at least, of those journeys and the overlaps they saw great benefit. They saw great growth in each other and themselves and, and the group. And eventually they said, well, you know, we're really benefiting from this idea of like shared intimate community over a common bond, over a common subject, right? There's something to this. And part of what they had uncovered was that entrepreneurship was really lonely. And they all kind of operated in a silo. They all operated, as you talked about, fear of man. They all operated with kind of this sense of fear, of anxiousness. They operated in isolation primarily. And that is the common entrepreneurial story. Mm. So long story short, these guys threw a big party and they basically said, if you're interested in having a conversation around faith and entrepreneurship and that intersection, just show up. Mm -hmm. They set up 90 chairs on a Wednesday night and 450 people showed up the first event. Wow. And kind of the rest is history. Mm. Those initial events were called Unpolished. Our organization became known as Ocean. And so ocean programs, we do all sorts of stuff. We'll kind of walk through that later, I would imagine. But really at the heart of what we do, Mike, is this belief and this understanding that entrepreneurship is it's hard and it's lonely. We cannot change the fact that it's hard. Mm -hmm. It probably needs to be hard. That's kind of the idea, right? right. That's when you know you're doing something right. I was going to say, as they yeah. say, if it ain't hard, it ain't worth doing. Right? right. Amen. And so that's something that's just true. Now, what we can do is we can augment for some of the reasons it shouldn't be so hard. Like if you're going to leap out and become an entrepreneur, you should have the education that you need. You should have the acumen. You should have the resources around you. You should have a good mentor. You should have good people and good understanding and good kind of baseline thinking. So even though it's hard, we want to make sure you're well equipped. We want to make sure there's acumen there for you to stand on. But not only is it hard, it's lonely. 
Entrepreneurs are really isolated. And that isolation, it leads to great fear. And great fear leads to great kind of pressure. And pressure leads to all sorts of terrible kind of situations in an individual's life. Mm -hmm. And so just some examples of that. Clinically diagnosable kind of mental health issues are about two times more likely in entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so anxiety, depression, things like that are about twice as likely, twice as common in entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. The divorce rate for entrepreneurs is about 10 points higher than the general population. The suicide rate is higher among entrepreneurs than almost any other people group. Mm -hmm. And so this is harrowing work. This is difficult work and what it does to the psyche and what it does to an individual, especially an individual who launches out without an understanding of their identity, without an understanding of kind of who they are and that they are more than their work, that they're more than their startup venture, mm -hmm. that that is not their identity. Man, it can be really tumultuous and it can be really damaging to the soul and to the relationships of that individual founder. Yeah. And so... Everything we do at Ocean is aimed at the heart of the founder. So we seek to give an education around marketplace concepts, around key business principles, around what it means to launch and lead a great startup. Mm. But man, we then want to come along and supplement. And just as much as we talk about all that, we want to integrate biblical wisdom for people. We want to integrate relational wisdom for people and just give people that firm foundation to extend on that they would understand that whether or not their business fails, that they don't have to be a failure, that their marriage doesn't have to fail, that their role as a parent doesn't have to fall apart, that one day this business very likely, almost assuredly, will wash away. This will go away in some way or another. Mm. It will fail and go away. You will choose to shut it down. You will retire. You will sell it. This part of who you are will go away. But who you are is not that thing. Right. And the other things that are in your life do not have to go away or do not have to fail along with that venture. And so that's kind of the story of Ocean and kind of the heart of what we do and what we seek to accomplish in the world by building into founders. And it's just, I'm humbled to be a part of our little team here in Cincinnati. We've been going at it for about five and a half years. And it's a lot of fun and it's a blessing to be able to do this work. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. For those listening, you hear us with the Talent Magnet Institute podcast talking around our focus of helping leaders succeed, not just in work, right? So when we put this podcast out, Luke, coming from the background of a search firm that our families ran for 44 years and a organization that is investing in leadership development, human capital consulting, and really trying to change the way leaders lead for the better health of their organization, it's not just about work. Right. If you don't have relationships, community and life. So we talk about helping leaders succeed in relationships, work, community and life, reframing success in leadership. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on our podcast as an organization who's helping leaders reframe, even getting our mindsets right of what success looks like. We have to get our mind and heart right and be prepared. I remember when we, even when we started the podcast effort, in my mind, we're gonna put some really hot topics out there, right? The first week was very intentional of what we released around poverty and around Islamophobia and around education and workforce development as it relates to early childhood education, as it relates to rethinking how HR leaders look at their business successfully and how we lead authentically. Not all of those topics are exciting topics for people to accept 
We know that they're exciting topics for people to hear and learn from if they're willing to accept it. We've hit on topics, whether it's a pastor, Pete Scazzaro in Queens, or whether it's a chamber CEO, or whether it's a business entrepreneur. Recently, we had an episode with Joe Motes, episode 60, and he talks about the impact of unpacking, right? As CEOs, we want to pack our backpack with as much as possible, and we carry that around with us. And his comments, he gets very emotional on that episode, that if I wouldn't have had a wife who loved me and a doctor who cared for me, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today, sitting across from you, because as an entrepreneur, the pressure was so great. My backpack was so heavy that I had to learn how to unpack my backpack as if I'm a, a hiker where you only take the minimal of what you need to survive, right? Yeah, that's so interesting. My friend, a guy who's a former Navy SEAL, he talks about in the military, they'll call that a rucksack, right? And he talks about the idea of packing your ruck carefully for your journey, right? And understanding that what's really key is for whatever journey you're embarking on, take what you need to take and understand that everything else is weight and you got to carry that weight. And so you got to understand, A, am I equipped to carry that weight? Or B, is there stuff that I can get out of this pack because that's not necessary for this journey? And the reality is the journey of life is it's a holistic journey. There's an integration I listened to the episode on your podcast the other day, Pete Scazzaro, which by the way, that's an introduction I will ask you to make someday for me, uh, Mr. (laughs) That would be uh, fantastic because Pete's an incredible leader, right? Emotionally healthy leader in the Emotionally Healthy Church. The content's fantastic. And as he talked about leading the organization really out of the marriage, that Mm -hmm. leadership kind of begins at the marriage level. And I forget exactly how I said, but basically leading out of the marriage. Right. That if, if I can't lead the healthy organism of the marriage, how can I lead the healthy organism of the church or the business or the organization? Mm-hmm. And man, that just speaks to this idea of the integration of life. Mm-hmm. And that when we try and we seek to kind of compartmentalize mm-hmm. life that, man, that might work for a season and that might work for a while, but that house of cards will tumble down. And so that's what we're talking about at Ocean. And that's what we're seeking to help people understand is that this is really, when we talk about work and rest, right? And we kind of talk about kind of this pendulum and this idea of work and rest. And a lot of people will call that work-life balance. And I would say there's no such thing as work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. That's a myth. That's a cultural myth that has probably been propagated for, you know, over the last 20 years and been popularized. There's no such thing as that. What there is, though, there's healthy rhythms, right? There's healthy rhythms of restoration and renewal. There's healthy cycles that as leaders, we have to find, right? We have to understand that daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, I have certain things that I do that fill me up, that really kind of fill my soul, understanding that I'm created and designed in a certain way for a certain set of behaviors. And that when I get outside of that for very long and for too long, I get off course and I get astray. And when that happens, man, I am no longer an emotionally healthy leader. And then that has an impact on the business I lead, on the marriage that I'm a part of, on the coworkers that I'm on teams with. And it's just critical that we understand this larger idea of integration into our entire lives, our spiritual lives, our communal lives, our relationships, our families, our work life, and how really we're the same person in all those places. It's really key to understand first that kind of umbrella covering that big idea. And then under that big idea, you can start to unpack these smaller things like work-life balance or rhythms. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I was just reading, I'm going to go through just a little bit here in preparation for actually what you just said prompted me to pull up something I sent to my wife yesterday. Again, I'm admitting here that I'm an entrepreneur who deals with struggles, right? And who knows that I know deep in my heart, I want to lead well. I want to serve well. We want to talk and invest in conversations like this to help others lead well. Pete Scazzaro is someone who I've had the opportunity to meet and spend time with. And I took a team of seven of us three years ago up to Queens to New Life and go through his leadership program. Um, And he mentions in one of his books that God, and this was something I shared about in the episode with Joe Motes, where I came to the recognition that God invites us to do life, to work from a place of rest, right? And he puts in his book, he does, I watch carefully for signals that I've strayed from my God-given life. I know I'm off center when I'm anxious, when I'm rushing or hurrying, when my body is in a knot, when I'm doing too many things, when my mind cannot stop racing, He also puts, when I'm driving too fast, I'm not able to be fully present with people. I'm irritable about the simple tasks of life, like having to wait in line at the supermarket, and I'm skimming over my time with God. And I think it talks a lot about the, when I went through that yesterday, I sent it to my wife and said, you know, I'm wrestling with some of these commentary right here, these bullet points. There's a few of them that I can feel myself in just today, right? And a reminder of my thinking of God wants us to be involved, but doesn't need us to be involved in everything that he's going to accomplish with or without. So some of us can, for me, that was a freedom of being able to feel like, okay, why am I being so prideful to think I'm the only one who can change the way leaders lead? And I'm the only one who can go after this journey of helping people lead well. I want to be in that journey with the world of people trying to do it like yourself, Luke, and all of those at Ocean Programs. But I also need to take care of myself and know that the pace of which we're running, I can't change every life, although I hope that we can save one along the way. Yeah, man, I think you're really speaking to the truth of the matter there. And then it's just the reality that we all have our lane that we're called to create in and we're called to operate within and having a healthy understanding of the world is not mine to save. It is someone else's to save. It is God's to save. But I have a role to play in that Mm. That whole role. That role is mine. Right. Mm. And there's this great idea that God doesn't need me to accomplish what he's accomplishing in the world, but he sure wants me to partner with him. And he wants me to be part of that journey. And he's gifted and equipped me and called me into a season or into a set of skills or a career, a path or a set of relationships where that is my call. That is where I show up. That's where I make a difference. And what's important is that each one of us understand what that is in our own lives and understand then if this is to be true, right? If this is what I am to accomplish in the world, then what are the pre-necessary conditions that must be true in order for that to happen? Right. So what are the appropriate rhythms that I need to be able to lead out of a place of rest and renewal, not a place of hurriedness and tiredness, right? Mm. What are the pre-necessary conditions? What are the things required of me and my life? And how do I properly order my desires and the way I operate so that this call, this way that I partner with God and the renewal and the restoration of the world, that it comes to be Mm. and that I can effectively kind of live that out. 
that's the individual task that each of us have. But man, there's power in that understanding and there's power in finding community around that, right? Mm -hmm. There's power in not doing that alone. And that's one of the things we champion and talk about at Ocean is, man, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to show up because oftentimes, especially with entrepreneurship, Mike, there's kind of the idea of the practitioner's trap. And it's funny, I use this example a lot and I probably had picked it up from somewhere and I would always use this example of the cupcake lady. And then I read the book E-Myth and I realized, oh, that's the entire premise of the book E-Myth, Cupcake Lady. And it's the woman, she makes the best cupcakes that you've ever had in your life. And everywhere she goes, people tell her that. And they always say, you should start a business one day. She resists. And over the years, maybe she becomes an empty nester. She gets a little more capacity or something changes. And one day she goes, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to sell these cupcakes. And so she does the first thing that every entrepreneur does. They go out and they get a logo designed because for some reason, when we start a business, we all think that's the first thing. And the reality is it's like the last thing you should do because for all these reasons, which we probably don't have time to get into, don't do the logo first. Come on. That's my entrepreneurial tip of the day. Yeah. I think I know why people do that. It's like, it's an emotional thing. It's an immediate sense of accomplishment. Oh, it makes it real, right? It gives it something tangible and it makes the dream real. And now I've committed to it and all this stuff. But the reality is it's a terrible business decision. It's a terrible way to spend money that early on. So she goes out, she gets the logo made, she gets the storefront, she gets the business loan, she makes all the cupcakes, she pulls the chain on the open sign the first day and unlocks the door and re- quickly realizes that she has no idea how to run a cupcake business. Mm. Right? She doesn't know how to sell cupcakes or market cupcakes mm. or procure the massive amount of ingredients it would take for cupcakes. She doesn't know how to hire or fire. She doesn't understand back office, right? Or maybe she understands some portion of that. Maybe she's leaned in and learned some of that, but she quickly realizes that what she loved was making cupcakes. She did not love the business of running a cupcake business. Mm. And so when entrepreneurs who are practitioners launch and lead a business, when they get into that situation, oftentimes what will happen is that is when the isolation will set in. That's when the kind of that loneliness and that fear will set in and really start to kind of grab that entrepreneur. And that's when we at Ocean like to put people in community with others. Mm. I say this all the time whenever we're hosting an event, I'll say, hey, look around. If you walked in here today feeling like you're crazy, right? Like I'm crazy, what am I doing? And I gotta show up to this thing because they say they might be able to help a little bit. Just look around the room. The first thing we can help you with is this understanding that you might be crazy, but you're not crazy alone. Yeah, like, there's all these other people. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, come on, yeah. man. Like there's yeah. beauty and power in this idea of community and being with others yes. that are on a similar journey. And so back to kind of what we were saying is the same thing, like as you're kind of processing and figuring out that identity portion and understanding where your place is to serve and restore and renew in the world, you don't have to do that alone. Get in a group with others. Start to ask those hard questions. Ask other people, hey, what have you seen in my life? What is it about me that has been a gift to you? Or where have I brought joy? Or where have I brought pain? You know, where have you seen me at my best and my worst? Answers to those kind of questions will quickly start to reveal for an individual their station and where they're called to kind of go and operate. And there's truly something to what we were talking about earlier, that idea and that notion of leading from a place of rest. I love what you read there. I think it was the quote from Pete Scarzero, but understanding that, man, when I start to know and operate and feel and sense these things, Mm. all that means is I'm off center. I'm off kilter. I've gotten away from the things that give me life and I cannot lead out of that place. My friend, Rebecca Lyons, she's the co-founder of Q and she's the author of a handful of books fantastic leader. Her husband, Gabe, are good friends of mine. And I used to work with them at an organization called Q. We led a big conference called Q Conference. But Rebecca has a new book coming out. I think by the time this podcast airs, it'll probably be out in about a month. 
So this new book, it's about this idea of kind of restoration or renewal and leading from that place. She talks about these four rhythms in life mm-hmm. uh, that are necessary, that are necessary in order to kind of to grasp peace. And so she talks about rest, restoration, connection, and creation. Mm-hmm. So she says, rest, restore, connect, and create. And man, that's the proper rhythm for life, right? You lead out of a place of rest. And so actually Rebecca is going to be with us this fall at our conference. We operate an annual conference called Ocean Conference. This is the fifth year we've done that event. And we really just lean into this conversation around faith and entrepreneurship, faith and work. What does it mean to be a strong entrepreneurial leader? And we've been doing this for five years. It's a ton of fun. It's a two-day event in Cincinnati, Ohio. We bring uh, voices in from all over the country to lead in that conversation. We'll have about a thousand people in Cincinnati and Rebecca is going to come and she's going to talk on this idea of rest and renewal and what it looks like to create an unhurried life uh, that is not overcome by anxiousness and fear, but draws from a place of peace. So that's just one of a handful of the kind of keynotes that we'll have over those couple of days. That's great. I remember I had the opportunity to sit on a panel at one of the events that you hosted, Luke, and there were some great talks around failure that the free notion of we're all going to trip up, we're all going to have, we may even have brands that brands or business lines that launch and then we have to quickly get out of them. And the whole theory around most individuals who we as the world sees as a worldly success have had a lot of failures to help them get there. And the comments that you've made as an entrepreneur, it's free. It's freeing to hear what you're saying. And that's the point of what you're doing with all these amazing leaders. We're trying to free the natural stresses that are going to be there, right? From a faith perspective, God never said life would be easy. You know, I always shared with, even with my board in this work, like when, before we launched our podcast, like I really feel like I've got the suit of armor on and I'm ready to go into battle to help us reframe what success looks like in the world. And I'm called to it. And it's a very emotional experience that I get the opportunity to sit with amazing leaders like yourself that are in that same battle together. We're helping people lead well. We want to, not just as the entrepreneur, but what's the impact of a healthy entrepreneur that they have on their team. And when they have that on their team, that they have on the families that make up that team, and they have the community of which that team lives, works, and plays. Even as a search firm, I have experienced so many times where individuals have gotten emotional where they say, this is the first culture I've ever felt like cared for me, where I could be my best and not have to worry what was going on behind me. And I feel safe, right? That's the kind of culture that we would say is a talent magnet that attracts and holds on to individuals to the point where it's healthy. And then also when those individuals step out of those organizations, they become ambassadors because of the amazing experience and life-giving experience that that was for them. And as entrepreneurs and business owners and leaders, we need to lead that way. We need to care about the impact we have on others and the world around us. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it comes back to this idea of holistic, right? Understanding that I'm not just in this for profit, but I'm leading people. I'm caring for families. I'm creating a culture that will either speak life into or will take life away from the people who show up here every day. So if you're running a small business or you're leading a team, you know, you have an office and people are showing up to that space. You have to understand that you are creating a culture, literally, that will either 
give life or will take life from the people who show up there every day. And you're not always going to get it right. There are going to be days when you mess it up, right? And that's that thing we talked about earlier, failure, right? The beauty of the word failure in entrepreneurship, we've created a new word. So we don't have to talk about failure. We just talk about iteration. So, hey, that we did an iteration. And yeah. that, that's part of what you do in entrepreneurship is you <laughs> test things. The more times that you fail as an entrepreneur in a venture, the better because they just, you're one out closer to figuring it out. You're one yeah. iteration further to getting it right. Yeah, and so we kind of uh, programmed out the word failure in entrepreneurship, which is, I think, just kind of a funny little sidebar. But, but you know, it is true. There's this idea that if you fail, fail forward. And I guess that's the podcast you referenced earlier, right? Like that's the whole notion here is that we're not always going to get it right, right? But we can always learn something along the way. And what we can do is we can kind of pick ourselves up. We can kind of build into others in that experience. We can prevent those others from stepping into the same hole that we just fell into. Hmm. And then we can say, okay, what did I learn? How do I pick myself up and move forward? And how do I ensure that I'm doing that in a way that gives life to the people around me? and doesn't oppress people or doesn't build the business or build the organization on the backs of other people, but alongside of and with other people. And so that's kind of the grand responsibility, I would say, of the entrepreneur is to figure those kind of things out. And so that's why I think when we talk about entrepreneurship and the reality is, Mike, there's a ton of training opportunities out there for entrepreneurs. And when Ocean started five and a half years ago, there's over 250 accelerators in North America alone. There's over a thousand incubator programs. Like 700 colleges have entrepreneurship majors. I mean, it, there's a and those figures are all like 10x what they were 10 years ago. I'm so sure. we're in this. We're in the midst of an entrepreneurial just training boom. The reality is, the failure rates of entrepreneurs are the same as they were in 1970. Nine out of 10 high tech entrepreneurs fail in the first 18 months. Five out of 10 all other entrepreneurs fail in the first five years. Also true. 99% of net new job growth in America is by businesses 12 months old or less. So like by brand new businesses, net new job growth, because all other job growth is offset by retirements or layoffs or downsizing or furloughs. So entrepreneurship is critical to the economy. Small businesses are critical to the economy. Half of America's adults work in businesses of 100 people or less. So you can't tell me that it's not just absolutely essential that we build into the people that are caring for those businesses and that are creating those cultures mm-hmm. because our economy needs it, our families need it, our neighborhoods need it. And so we have to do it. And the reality is there's all sorts of training out there. And when the folks who started Ocean and the work that we get to carry on today with Ocean, what our realization is that there is a lot of really great stuff in the ecosystem in Cincinnati and in, in the country and Ohio, all over the place, right? There's all kinds of great entrepreneurial training. And very little of that focuses on the heart of the founder and on the leader and kind of tackles things in some of the ways that Ocean and a handful of other groups in the country do. And man, that's why I just love what we do. I love that I get to be a part of this and we get to speak life into leaders that we think are going to go on, whether they're going to be entrepreneurial within their workplace, whether they're going to be entrepreneurial by starting some nonprofit or a venture or an organization that they're passionate about. We have a bunch of pastors who are part of our conference and our things that we do. We run a whole kind of learning community track at our conference called the Entrepreneurial Church Leader. We talk about student entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. We're trying to grab people at all stages of the journey, whether they're an established business owner or whether they're just dreaming about this thing on a napkin. We're trying to grab them and help them understand both kind of the peril that is out in front of them and the great opportunity. Because like I said earlier, while entrepreneurs at the same time are great risk, they're at the same time some of the most high capacity and 
the people that have the greatest potential in our cities and our communities to mm-hmm. create good new things. And that's mm-hmm. why we seek to just pour into those people's lives. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So Luke, we want to encourage those listening to really look into the conference that you host and we'll provide links to that. We also want to thank you. Thank you, your team, all of the leaders around it, and everyone who has taken that first step to feel like I'm going to be uncomfortable stepping in a room with people who may not understand where I am and for you to help them realize, hey, we're all in this together, right? Whether you're in a family business and you're, in our case, we employ and have working about 30 people in our two immediate consulting firms. And we spend a lot of time with family business and these family businesses that are serving well, that are leveling up are in that entrepreneurial. Somebody had that vision An entrepreneur's business. If they're successful, they either take private or stay within the family ownership and family teams. And so many of our listeners are in this space. So to those listening, let this be some freedom for you that, Hey, we're all in this life together. Let's all lead. Well, let's all, identify ways that we can serve and be a talent magnet and really help bring out the best in all people. Let's reframe success, what success looks like. And Luke, thank you for all that you're doing and the heart and the passion that you all are pouring into this each and every day. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate having me on. And thanks to what you guys do, both at Centennial and at Talent Magnet. You guys are leading in this conversation and giving folks just great tools and handles to grab onto and great examples of folks. And I'm just humbled to kind of be a part of that. Thanks for getting the word out about kind of what we're doing. We do all sorts of stuff at Ocean. We run a high-tech accelerator. We run small business training programs. We do monthly workshops, community events. And then, like you said, we run this annual conference. It's October 10th and 11th. So I think the time this podcast comes out, the conference, we will be about a month and a half or so out from the conference. And so we'd love for you to come to Cincinnati and join us. Just a real quick highlight of what we're talking about. We're talking about threshold moments in our lives, kind of those seasons in between when we're kind of gone from the old thing, but not quite to the new thing. And we all have these tension moments and these tension points in our lives. And so we're bringing some great leaders around the table to talk about that. A guy named Scott Beck. Scott is the founder of a company called Glue. Scott was the CEO of Blockbuster Video, Boston Market, Einstein Bagels. He helped start Ancestry.com and HomeAdvisor.com. Scott's brilliant. So thrilled that he's coming to be a part of us this event with us. Rebecca Lyons, I mentioned. Liz Bohannon is the founder of a company called Seiko Designs. It's an incredible fashion brand, kind of fashion for good brand on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Todd Henry, who's a leader here in Cincinnati that's author mm-hmm. of some incredible books, I think has probably been on your podcast in the yes. past. So Todd is typically with us every year and we're thrilled to have him back. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, we just have some incredible people joining us. We'd love for you to come and be a part of that. Oceanconference.org. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. And yep. Reach out to me anytime. I'm on Twitter. Or you can find me on my email, luke at oceanprograms.org. If there's anything that I can do or serve or follow up to this, love to just stay in touch with your community and continue to kind of build into people and find out where we can serve entrepreneurs or people looking to launch something new or do something new in their life, whether it's start a new project or do a new piece of art or launch a new business. That's We're awesome. trying to help people start new things. Awesome. Well, thank you to all of those who are watching this. Again, we're going to have this up on our Talent Magnet Institute podcast community on Facebook from a video standpoint. And thank you to all of our loyal listeners, those that are leaning into this. We'd love to hear your feedback, both Luke and I would. And we'd love for you to also share and tell your friends about this episode, as well as others that can be reached through the content that we're producing to help you succeed in relationships, work, community, and life and reframing success and leadership. Luke, thank you again. 
Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Sometimes it's the little things that make a big difference. A post-it note and two minutes can make a huge difference in your workday. Find out more at talentmagnetinstitute.com slash post-it. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.